And the passage this morning was about fishing, and I love to hunt and fish. And so going to Alaska for 17 and a half years, there may be a couple of Alaska stories in my sermon this morning that you'll have to put up with. I'm going to start with an Alaska story that's it's not true, but it really does set up um, the sermon well. It, it seems there was this, um, this Alaskan guy, he had so much money, and he just loved to give it away. So he, he used to try to think of creative ways in which to give away lots of money. So one time he put in the Anchorage Daily News, this advertisement, come to such and such a location, such and such a time, on such and such a date, and maybe you will win a million dollars. And so that big day came, and sure enough, there were all kinds of people that came, and, and they gathered at this spot, and they all saw the same thing. Here was this large pit deep, and it had about five hungry grizzly bears that hadn't been fed in a long time milling around in the bottom of the pit. And so the millionaire, multi-billionaire came up and said, now here, if you want to win a million dollars, here's all you have to do. You have to time it just right. But if you jump down that pit and run across and get in the ladder safely on the other side, you'll get a million dollars. Everybody's just talking, buzzing, talking. All of a sudden, from out of nowhere, there's this guy down in the pit, and he is running, and the bears are converging on him, and he gets up the ladder barely in time. But he made it. And, and the crowd's going wild. The newspapers were, you know, article, the newspaper reporters are taking pictures. And, and, and some guys pick him up, put him on their shoulders and carry him, put him on the stage. And, and everybody's yelling. And somebody says, speech, speech, speech. And they hand him a microphone. And he grabs it. And he looks out. And he says, who shoved me? <laughs> so. That story really does set up this passage well because we see in the, the, the passage that was read earlier how Jesus asked the disciples to shove out in their boat. And so I think what I want to bring out in this message is that oftentimes in our lives, we are challenged to do something that's a little bit out of our comfort zone. It's really comfortable to stay where we're at, and whether it be a total church or whether it be as an individual, sometimes Jesus had to give his disciples little shoves to get them to move out of their comfort zone, and I think he does the same thing today. But before we get into our Bible text, let, let me define for you comfort zone. Here's what I define as comfort zone. A state of mind where a person's anxiety and vulnerability are minimized to comfortable and manageable levels. So other than other ways of saying comfort zone might be familiarity, safe, routine, or a little more on the negative side, complacency, stagnation, or even being in a rut. How many of you have heard of the Alcan Highway that, that, that built in World War II, went up from the United States to Alaska? Well, when they first started building that road, it was travel at your own risk. And there was a sign at the beginning when it was still pretty rough shape, choose your rut carefully because you'll be in it the next 200 miles. 
One person said that a rut is nothing more than a casket with the ends kicked out. So just a brief clarification here. When we talk about the comforts that the Lord gives us, and who doesn't like their lazy boy chair after a hard day's work and just sitting after supper? I mean, we're not talking about that kind of. We're talking about a kind of comfort where we just we do not allow ourselves to be stretched in any way. We just like being trapped there. Safety, safety, safety. So that's the challenge this morning to each of us. It was to the disciples to get out of the comfort zone, to be make do something that's going to make you more vulnerable. Uh, do something that's going to stretch you. Do something that will make you much more dependent on God. So here's kind of the big idea. I'm going to, I'm going to come up with seven what I call life dynamics. They all begin with S. Seven life dynamics that just help us to examine our life and our comfort zone. And so the big idea here we want to remember is Jesus may speak to you and to me about our comfort zone in a life dynamic called the snug. The snug. You know what snug is. Snuggled in your bed. You hate to get up on a cold winter morning. So it says, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And so basically what we have here is just a, a pretty much a routine day in the life of the people of that particular culture zone, that, that culture and that time. Jesus wasn't the only one that was going around um, Speaking, there was all kinds of people that would do that. That was just part of their culture. So people would say, hey, I hear there's somebody over here speaking. Let's go. And they'd listen. They'd go home and return to their comfort zone. But Jesus seemed to be different. It seemed like he was really drawing big, much larger crowds and even bigger than John the Baptist was drawing. And, and some people were jealous of that. And so the people always would go listen, and they would always try to discern, uh, are these uh, people in it just for the money? You know, there were charlatans back then, just as there are charlatans today, where all their speaking and teaching is more about getting a big brand-new car. Back then, it would have been trading in your old dilapidated one-hump camel for a nice new two-hump camel, whatever. But... It, the people saw something different in Jesus. Uh, the scriptures described him coming. The Old Testament is full of predicted scripture. And, and he wanted people to come into the kingdom of God. He wanted the 12 to follow him. And being a follower of Christ, the disciples found out, is not always comfortable. And so Jesus saw the people, the disciples, in the snuggest of their day, just as he sees us today. Which leads us to the next point then, in verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out or shove out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now that's such a simple question by Jesus. <laughs> you know, just shove out a little bit for a catch. And 
it's kind of like sometimes we get that still small voice to do something. I read a story, I don't know whether this is from Alaska or not, but it's a story about a school teacher who went to a church, and the church was going to start a new ministry to working with the local school district to help children who had to go into the hospital to stay up with their homework. So the pastor called a group of people together and, and said there's a little boy who has been severely burned most over most of his body, but we need to send somebody to help him to learn uh, verbs and adverbs. And so the group sat there, and this one school teacher was waiting and hoping somebody would raise their hand, but nobody did. So finally she just felt that, you know, maybe, maybe I need to do this. So she raised her hand, and she goes to the hospital. She goes to his room, little author's room, and when she got in the room, it was just really hard, all bandaged up. He was in such pain. She just, it was all she could do to keep tears back. And she did the best she could for the time allotted to help little Arthur learn verbs and adverbs. She went home. She couldn't hardly sleep that night thinking of him sitting there in his condition. She had to go back the next day. She didn't really want to, but she did. And so she gets to the hospital, and on her way to Arthur's room, a nurse stopped her and said, what did you do to Arthur? And she said, did I do something wrong? She said, no, no, he's, he's different. He's not, he, he just like he didn't even want to live before he, you went in yesterday, and now all of a sudden he's excited, and, and he's responding, and we don't know what you did. She says, I don't know either. Well, a few weeks later, the nurse was talking with little Arthur, he was doing better, and she says, what happened? Why did you change? What, what was going on there? He says, well, when I came into the hospital, I knew I was going to die. <laughs> I'd given up. And then the school teacher came. And, and I thought, they wouldn't send a teacher to teach verbs and adverbs to a dying boy, would they? And I decided to live. And so, Thank God, sometimes he gives us these little shoves, this little small still voice inside that says, do this or do that. And some of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, maybe you were dug into going on to a missions trip to a place that's kind of difficult. Or maybe sometimes you just feel the little nudge that, to give above and beyond what you normally give the church to maybe help some refugees in the Ukraine. Sometimes the nudge can be this simple. You're at church and you happen to notice somebody standing over there and everybody's busy talking and nobody's talking to that person. And you hear that little voice say, go over there. That's what we're talking about here. It doesn't have to be complex. So here's the big question. When you feel those little voices, those little nudges inside, how do you respond? That leads us into our next point, the third life dynamic. Jesus may speak to you about your comfort zone in a life dynamic called the shrug. The shrug. You know what I'm talking about. Somebody says something, you, eh. <laughs> you shrug it off. You, you, so... We, all the fishermen 
at that time. Let me, let me read for it. It says, Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Come on, give me a break. As they didn't say that, but they're thinking that. But because you say so, we'll set out the nets. I'm sure all the fishermen were thinking the same thing. You know, he's, a, he's really a good carpenter, and man, is he a good, good speaker. He doesn't know nothing about fishing, and we do. Sometimes we're really good at justifying our comfort zone and coming up with all kinds of reasons why I shouldn't go over there and talk to that person over there. I have a story. This is a true story about Alaska. It's an unbelievable story. Uh, the Covenant of Alaska, that, that conference, they have a radio station up in Nome called KICY. And when we first got to Alaska, Nancy and I, the, the radio station was about to go bankrupt. It was They were $1 million in debt to the denomination, and it was getting worse every year. And so the denomination, they were thinking, we, we can't keep this up. So to make matters worse, they didn't have a very big listening audience either. So the, the field director at that time says, we're going to just try to get one more chance. And he found this guy in Michigan. His name's Dennis Wildler. He found him. He was a, a business owner, had his own business into electronic stuff, radio stuff. And, and Paul told him about the situation and how bad it was. And he says, would you just come up? We're just looking for a new manager that will help us move this radio station along. And he says, I'll pay your wife's way. I'll pay your way. Just go up, look at the thing, go home, pray about it. And so they did. He and his wife, Candace, went up to Nome, got back to Michigan. They looked at each other. No way. <laughs> they had a whole big list of reasons to justify why they shouldn't go. And they seemed like pretty good reasons. Well, that was like on a Monday. About Thursday, Dennis tells this story. He says, about Thursday, I just started getting this sense that God wanted me to go. And he couldn't get rid of it. He just couldn't quit thinking about it. And so he finally got to the point, he says, I, I need to say something to Candace, but I'm kind of afraid to. <laughs> I'm not going to take my wife up there dragging her feet. So he goes to his wife and he says, I think the Lord is nudging us to head to Alaska. She says, you know what? I was thinking the same exact thing. And so they went. I don't know how long, maybe about two or three years, they paid off the denomination $1 million. They paid off their mortgage. He invested a half a million dollars worth of equipment that would send the broadcast into Russia at night in a Russian language that would go all the way to Moscow. What a turnaround. All because he didn't listen to that voice that justified not going at all. Sometimes when God calls us to do something, it's not as big as packing up your bag and moving to a foreign area. Sometimes it's something just as simple as telling a little boy you'll help them 
with their schoolwork. And so what did Peter say? Peter says, because you say so, I'll let come to this. Let's look at the next on our slides. Jesus may speak to you about your comfort zone in the life dynamic called the sign. <laughs> look at what it says. It says, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Tad, Doug, would you like to have that happen to you? My, uh, we, we are fishermen. We know what we're, they're talking about. And so, so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Wow, what a game changer. And, and the disciples were totally surprised. A boat full of fish, boat sinking. They called for reinforcements. Unbelievable. The dream of every fisherman. And so whether it's a story about going to Alaska, to KICY, or helping a little boy named Arthur, sometimes these signs are more like a signal a small signal that you get from God in a very personal way. You know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you're going through something in life and you just so happen to read something from the scriptures that you've read over and over and over again and all of a sudden it's just like, it's like God speaking. So you know what I'm talking about? Or sometimes, this has happened to me, um, there's something really stirring, and somebody walks up to you, unbeknownst what's going on in your life, and they say something that totally is about what you've been toying with, and they don't know anything about it. And you look and say, I think I'm hearing you, Lord. All I know, whether it's a big sign or a small signal, God has his way of getting our attention. And this is important. He confirms that he's with us. And so this takes us to our next life dynamic. Jesus may speak to you about your comfort zone in the life dynamic called the Savior. Verse 8, it says, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. When we allow God to take ourselves out of a comfort zone, you will not stay the same person. God had a way of getting Peter's attention. And for Peter, it's just like he recognized that he was a sinner, and he fell down to his knees. Get away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. And all of a sudden, you realize how much you really do need God in life. And the more dependent we are, the greater risk we take, I think the more God reveals himself to us. This is a hard story, true story about Alaska. Um, Nancy and I went up there, and we hadn't been in Bethel maybe about three months. And Nancy told our daughter, Amy, she'll come back for the birth of their little boy. So Nancy's away, and I'm there in a whole new culture, in a whole strange environment. All of us have heard about 
Columbine High and a school shooting. About three years before that, there was a shooting in Bethel, Alaska, right where we were. A principal was killed, another student was killed, two were injured. And I, I just remember the oppression, the darkness that fell over that village. It was almost unbearable. I called Nancy up and said, you need to come back early. All hells broke loose here in Bethel. It's just unbelievable what's going on here. So Nancy made arrangements, came back. And I remember... Nancy came down the stairs the first morning. She was back, and I told her this. I said, you know, God's called us to a, this small church of a bunch of wounded warriors. We, we need to pray that he will send us some warriors to help us fight this battle here. And Nancy said this. She says, I'm going to pray that Mark Hill moves to Bethel. Now, none of you know Mark Hill, but I knew Mark Hill. Mark Hill was a... <laughs> He was a mountain man in another very remote village in Scammon Bay. I mean, I'm talking mountain man. The house he lived in had no running water, so he didn't shave. He didn't bathe too much. He didn't get a haircut. He looked like a mountain man, and Mark loved it out there, and the kids loved Mark out there, and he was having a great time, and Nancy says, I'm going to pray Mark comes here, and I thought, oh. I didn't laugh in front of her. He's not leaving Scammon Bay. That was Tuesday. Thursday or Friday that next week, the phone rings. I pick it up. Hey, Rod, Mark. I says, yeah, what's up, Mark? He says, I got to leave Scammon Bay. The house I'm living in is no longer available, and there's no other houses to rent in all the town. I says, have you ever thought about coming to Bethel and doing youth ministry here? He says, that's exactly what I was thinking. That was my Peter moment. Here's what the Lord said to me. Oh, Rodney, you of such little faith. And even that gentle rebuke, I sensed the presence of God's love, even though I was a sinner just like Peter, like I've never felt before. Mark came. And I don't have time to tell you what God did through Mark Hill to the youth in Bethel, Alaska. So here's the point then. When we put ourselves in places of greater dependence, I can guarantee you, you will know God in ways you could never have known staying in your comfort zone. And when he does that, you better be ready for what comes next in the next life dynamic Jesus may speak to you about your comfort zone in the life dynamic called the sanction. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. And so once we see and sense God's hand working in our lives, see how it's happening firsthand when we take the risk, we're at a place where Jesus says, now I can really use you. Because I'll tell you what, folks. We live in a world that's uncomfortable. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of people out there that are broken and beaten, and God wants us to be people who reach out and love them and care for them, which sets up our final life dynamic. 
Jesus may speak to you about your comfort zone in a life dynamic called the surrender. Verse 11, it says, so they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. It says they left everything. Everything. Why did they leave everything? I'll tell you what I think. I think it was because of the claims that Jesus made. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to God the Father except through me. I and the Father are one. That's quite a claim. <laughs> I tried to imagine. What if I'm sitting at home one day when my kids were still living at home, and one of, one of my girls would come up to me and say, Hi, Dad, I'd like to tell you something. I said, Sure, what? Dad, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to God the Father except through me. Me and God are one. I'd have two thoughts that would come to mind. Uh, they're lying, and they know they're lying, and I'm getting out of here because lightning could strike them at any moment. Or I would think they're loony and I need to call the people in the white coats and take them away. <laughs> but when the disciples looked at Jesus, they didn't think he was a liar. They didn't think he was a lunatic. In fact, they so believed in him that almost all the disciples would not deny their faith. Almost all the disciples were martyred. And died. Why would you die for a lie? Why would you die for a lunatic? No, you wouldn't. But you would die if he was Lord. Does God require that we leave everything? I don't think he requires that we leave everything. I think what he wants us to leave behind is anything that is keeping us too comfortable and not about his business, whatever that may be for you. So there we have it. The snug, the shove, the shrug, the sign, the savior, the sanction, sender. I was able to relate to all of those. I hope that some of those you were able to relate to. I'm going to close with an illustration. Not an Alaska one, though. This one's a true story, but it's, it, it took place in the late 1700s, early 1800s in, in Russia. And it seems that the czar of Russia um, was out walking around the palace area one day, and he was out in the palace gardens. It was beautiful, but there was this one particular big grassy area where there was a sentry standing guard. So he looks around, and he walked up to the sentry, and he says, oh, what are you guarding here? The sentry says, orders from the captain. I don't know, sir. So he thought, okay. So he goes over to the captain and says, Captain, uh, you've got a sentry over there guarding that spot. Oh, what's he guarding? What's going on here? The captain says, well, that's been longstanding orders, never been rescinded, that we're to have a guard there 24-7 every day of the week. I don't know why, though. So now, now the, the czar is very, very, very curious. What's going on here? So he went up to the... Uh, records that they held there in the palace, and they had some people do some research, and here's what they found. What they found is, years before, Catherine the Great had planted 
a rose bush, a very rare and beautiful rose bush in that spot, and she didn't want it to be destroyed, so she placed a sentry around it all the time. But Catherine the Great in that rose bush had been dead years and years and years. The guard stood there guarding something for no purpose whatsoever. And so I, that, that can be a word picture for me, for anybody, for you, that maybe we're in a comfort zone and a rut and the Lord has given us a little shove, but we stay stuck in the same place because we have posted a century over the comforts that we have in life. Pray. Thank you, Father, for these marvelous words from Luke. Uh, I love your word, and I, I love how they impact my life and make me think about life. I, I thank you that you left a very comfortable place called heaven, called paradise, and you came down to a sin-infested earth on a mission. And that was a pretty uncomfortable mission, dying for the sins of the world on the cross, and yet you did it. So much of what you ask us to do, Lord, pales in comparison to what you did for us. But we just need to be sensitive in the days ahead to allow your spirit, your still small voice, to guide us in reaching out to a world that is hurting. We ask these things in Jesus' name.